Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace. Hosted by Annika, that's me, and Liz. <laughs> Today we're discussing Starfleet's admirals. When you put the call out on Twitter for people to share admiral opinions, Paul DePaola uh, said, Favourite, Cornwell, Necheyev, and Ross for not being evil, and least favourite, everyone else because they are evil. <laughs> and uh, I kind of feel like maybe the Starfleet Admiralty has an imagery problem. Yes. That's, that's part of the reason that I proposed this, this topic. <laughs> I mean, I think that this was an inevitable topic for us and one that we've had planned for a while. Yes. For various reasons. and, and uh... Most of them are Katrina Cornwell. <laughs> yeah, so now it's like this sort of bittersweet slash riot girl anger thing going on. I want you, I know that you did some research into all of the different admirals and uh, yes and I also looked at the list and I picked out a few that I had like strong opinions or not strong opinions strong feelings towards and then like other than those that handful like I was like I don't even know who this is <laughs> this yeah this there are a few that anybody I opened my spreadsheet and then I was like I need to double check quickly who a couple of these people are yeah so Shall I share the numbers? Yes, please do. Okay. I went through Memory Alpha and there were 62 admirals who had names and who were physically present and had dialogue. So that's not people who are mentioned but never appear on screen. Definitely not people who only appear on on readouts and screens. Who are Um, all like the the creators of the show anyway. They're like all behind the scenes people. Yeah, yeah, they got to a point where I was like, well, I know that name from production, so I'm just not even going to follow the link. (laughs) So I wound up with 62 people, of whom six were allies to the regulars in some way. That's Admirals Paris, Cornwell, Forrest, Hanson, Patterson, and Ross. And Patterson is the one I had to look up because I'd forgotten who he was. And he is an old friend of Janeway's who gives her the command of Voyager and sends her off on that mission that goes horribly wrong. And I counted him as an ally because he's friendly to her and addresses her as Katie and is, you know, nice. <laughs> but he's only he's only in one episode, you wouldn't call him important. Okay. I don't I do not remember him. He is in the episode uh, relativity where the temporal what's it's from the future sends seven of nine back to Voyager's first mission. Right. And the only other one-off admiral in that list is Hansen, who is uh, the guy in charge of the fleet at Wolf 359, which yeah. goes very badly for him. I was going to say, and, it's funny to me that, that um, I mean, he is an ally. He doesn't do anything terrible, but he's not like, he's not a good guy per se. No! Like, he's kind of no. awful. <laughs> like, like, he's buddies with Picard, but then he's sexually harassing yeah. Commander Shelby. Yes. And then he's just, like, terrible at his job. <laughs> so... Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's bad at leading the fleet and really creepy. Yes. Like, as a person. Yeah. No, I hate his guts. I'm delighted that the Borg kill him. But because he is actively being decent to a main character and 
the ally list was so short that I just wanted to pad it out a bit, I, I decided to include him. <laughs> and then of the rest, the rest are all recurring characters. Admiral Paris becomes a major part of Voyager in the later seasons. Cornwell, of course, rip. Admiral Forrest is uh, an ally of Archer in Enterprise. And Ross, the only one of... Oh, Ross and Paris are the only ones who survive their runs on the shows. And Ross is... Uh, the leader of the war against the Dominion and and works works closely with Cisco. Right, boss. Like those 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 are names I I uh, remember. Like <laughs> I could picture exactly who those people are. So yeah. because they they had fully formed. Like I'm not gonna say they were all well rounded three dimensional characters, but they had enough personality traits that I could make them into well rounded, fully fledged characters. If that yes. makes sense. Yes. So that's six allies. Then 27 of the 62 were plot devices. They turn up, they do something, they say something, they're there. And that's uh, you guys like Gorch and Shakar, the Andorian and Tellarite admirals who accompany Kat and very appear in a couple of other places in Discovery. I actually put Admiral Tyrol, the Vulcan in Discovery, into that category because he's antagonistic to Lorca, but mm. Lorca it is not a good guy so you know antagonize away yeah they're the people who are friendly they get stuff done but they're not really pushing the plot in any way beyond telling the enterprise or whatever to go where right. it has to go then we have the antagonists there were 11 antagonists and mostly their crime is to prioritize the greater mission over the plot that's going on with the characters we know and care about. They're the guys saying, yeah, I don't care that your first officer is turned into a salmon and has to go home to mate. Like, you, you have an actual job to do first. They're neutral, technically, but they're presented as antagonists because they're disagreeing with our heroes. And that's where Admiral Elena Nechea falls, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about her later. And then we have... I'm going through the numbers. Yeah. Six allies, 27 plot devices, 11 antagonists, 13 villains. That's one, three. I also made a list of the causes of villainy. Uh, possession is pretty heavily uh, represented <laughs> because I, I included all of the admirals who were possessed by the insecty things in Conspiracy. Oh, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's like three or four. Uh, so, sorry guys, I know it's not really your fault, but... Uh, but you're, you know, you're still yeah, villains. You're not, you're not do exactly bringing honour to the uniform. And a lot of the rest was conspiracy in some way, like the guys conspiring against the Kitama Treaty in Star Trek VI, uh, treaty violations, supplying weapons, some level of conspiracy or corruption or uh, just... You know, what if we have a have a cloaking device even though our treaty with the Romulans says we shouldn't? And then there's Admiral Doherty and whatever the plot of insurrection was. <laughs> I think the most interesting villain of the lot is Admiral Haftel, who seeks custody of Data's daughter Lull, and uh, in doing so, kind of accidentally kills her. Oops. And, and yeah, oops. And he's sort of redeemed at the end because he helps to save her. But I still put him there because the only reason she died was because he pushed her into a state of distress that mm. her programming wasn't able to cope with. And he was very dehumanising and 
unpleasant about it. Yeah, he w- he wanted to like redo Measure of a Man. And it was like, yeah, we already did yeah. this. Like Picard in the in the episode, Picard is like, uh, it's on it's on the books as law, so we're we're not yeah. gonna yeah. <laughs> Sounds like our Supreme Court right now. Yes, and it is. It, it's quite interesting. I think believable that they would be trying to relitigate this. Yes, but uh, he's definitely a villain. And then finally, we have the five who are promoted main characters and sort of transcend questions of good or evil because they're main characters. Right. And that's Archer, Kirk, Janeway, McCoy, and Kelvin vs. Pike. <laughs> All right. I am going to talk at some point about why I think Kirk is not a good ad- good admiral and shouldn't have been promoted, mm. but I think that's going to come into our conversation about what makes an admiral a good good one. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So. Oh, sorry. None of these numbers include Admiral Patar. Uh, she wasn't on Memory Alpha at the time, which is a weakness of using that as a source. But also, I just couldn't decide if I would count her as a villain or an antagonist. And then I was like, well, we never see her actual self in the flesh. Mm-hmm. We only have third-hand accounts and the holographic imposter. I'm just going to leave her off. Okay. I uh, agree with your decision, but I also think that she has a lot in common with the conspiracy bug people, basically. Yes. It's kind of the same plot. So, so if they're villains, then she would be a villain too. Yes, and also, like, we're told that she's a logic extremist, whatever that oh, yeah. means in this particular cons- context. Like, <laughs> so, sidebar. We could assume. I've yeah. been looking what? into the logic extremists. We should do, a, oh, yeah. we should do a, a deep dive into that because it's crazy. Oh, that would be really cool. I can watch Gambit again. I love that two-parter. Yeah, there's a, it's, I, there's a lot, you know, you... Vulcan obviously is a sort of a core not just a core planet of the federation but a core culture in star trek in the mythos of the universe so there's there's a lot more than you realize i think it's this one uh, you know offhand comment that admiral patar was a logic extremist that who knows if that'll ever come up again (laughs) or or has anything to do with anything but when you start taking those little breadcrumbs and attach them to what happens in Gambit, what happens in Enterprise, what happens in, you know, all across, you know, there's a, there's a lot more to all of those stories than, than you realize when you're just watching one of them. Yes, it's so interesting. I am totally on board for that episode. So preview. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. back to Admirals. I find Admiral Patar. She's still an admiral. It's still on topic. I find her really interesting. And one of the missed opportunities of season two for me is that we never actually got to get into the nitty gritty of who she is and what she wants. But as you can tell from the fact that we're talking about this topic at all, I'm just very interested in the admiralty. Yes. I think that, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that uh, I was so drawn to Cornwell in the first place is that she is one of those command people who do have this reputation of being antagonistic or villainous or yeah just out and out crazy um and you know spanning all the way back to the original series yes and and it's it's you know i'm very interested in i don't think they did this on purpose i don't think they were like everybody who is promoted above a certain rank like captain basically <laughs> anything above captain you go crazy in starfleet you you lose your mind you take over a planet you are possessed 
you are, you know, a victim of some crazy alien plot, and it's it's just interesting. It's like what, why, you know, what with it out externally. It's I think because they're an easy antagonist. I think that oh yeah, the, absolutely. The, the idea that you know the fact that you have twenty seven who are just plot devices, and then they uh, the next you know the higher ones are villains and antagonists is because they're 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 plotty. These admirals are used for the plot. They they aren't used yes. to be characters. You know we don't have any show that is about the admiralty. So you know that's that's like the external reason for this. But within the universe like we you know you have to look at it from a story and a narrative yeah uh, it makes no sense in you know, the universe. point of view too and so then it's like oh what what happens like what what is it about <laughs> like starfleet deep exploration that that you you know <laughs> that this is what happens and i'm my and i think that this is like within in the kirk conversation my interpretation is that being a Starfleet captain is such a boldly going thing yes. <laughs> that when they are elevated to now do all this paperwork, they don't have the skill set or the personality yeah, they, for they, it. They aren't that, and they they go crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they and I think lose. like certainly my headcanon with Cornwell was that she she commanded it a ship but not for that long because she knew that her skill set was better suited to the wider picture and i think can you imagine admiral nechayev commanding a starship (laughs) yes but again not for very long because not not on purpose i think is the way that i would put it (laughs) (laughs) Um, but for um, and my headcanon for cat is that she was never in charge of a ship that she was just captain of starfleet medical (laughs) Like, you know, that works, that works that, too. That's, and, that's where and that, I, and then, you know, she just, she went up the ranks that way. I think, I feel like she has too much combat experience for that to work wholly, but I like it. I like non-traditional paths to command. I, you know, I think that it would be a, you know, she, she's, she's going up through the ranks and she's uh, the captain at Starfleet Medical. And then they say, you know, we want... If you want to move up from here, you need to get this combat experience. Go on this like six month intensive in mm. deep space somewhere, overseeing a mission, but but like with other people. And maybe like something terrible happened, and she had to to jump in, and she was completely in charge, and she got an award and was uh, elevated in rank. Bang. And why haven't you written this fic yet? <laughs> I, know, I know you're just swimming in free time. Will, yeah. And also, I just, I have to get to the place where I can write it down. But I, yeah. I have many ideas, so don't, don't worry. I will get back to these things. <laughs> because I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. I think... Out of universe, one of the reasons we have so many antagonistic or villainous admirals, and particularly in Next Generation, is because when you're very limited in the amount of conflict you can have within your within your crew, it's really useful for to to a, a useful way to bring in an outside 
source of conflict. Yes. And I think we see that particularly with Admiral Satie in The Drumhead, where she triggers conflict among the crew, you know. Worf is really Team Satie until the very end. And that wouldn't have been able to happen without her to be there as the catalyst. Yeah. I mean, I found I find Satie fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's she's terrible. I will put, put there, like, she is everything that is wrong with our judiciary system right now and yes. and uh, in in general but there's a whole storyline about how her father was one of Picard's heroes and like there's this whole weird thing it's sort of like there's more to the story of yes. her bigotry you know it's like that came from somewhere and I'm interested in that story. And I once uh, wrote an article saying, here's, you know, some, some one-off characters I would like to see more of. And I listed her. And I've, I've, I had, like, 15 people. And everyone was like, these are all cool, except for Satie. I never want to see that <laughs> terrible person again. And I was just like, I, I had pitched it as a prequel. I was like, I want to see, you know, her childhood with this person that Picard describes up through yes. how she, you know her becoming a judge or and it's like what what happens in between like that I'm interested in that story that in between stuff that's where the drama is but wow people were really angry at the very idea that I would turn her into a protagonist it's so funny that you got that reaction because the only time I've received a sexist or misogynistic comment on my Star Trek blog was my post about how I think, without agreeing with any of her opinions or actions, I think Admiral Satie was set up to fail and that storyline was resolved in a really sexist way. And I, I got, you know, your standard, this is just exactly what I would suspect of a stupid, angry feminist type of comment only one I have ever received yeah people really hate her and again and like you you basically you just said it it's like yeah she is set up like she's set up to fail within the story and without the story because yes she's completely a villain but it again it's really interesting because Starfleet like breeds these people yeah Satie, you know, she's basically spent the last few years doing this solo internal investigation work with no break, just a very small staff. And, you know, that's a field with really high levels of burnout. And, and the fact that apparently Starfleet expected her to just keep doing this and be okay and not lose perspective. Yeah. Within, within the story, it's ridiculous. At the I mean, I mean that it's similar to Admiral Cartwright in the movies, who is the one who uh, joins up with mm, the Klingon, the conspiracy. yeah, and uh, and Valeris to have a conspiracy against peace. Basically, they want to assassinate people. I mean, they're they're bad. Like, they're bad. That's a bad group to be in. But again, yes. it's like he was at war with Klingons for his entire time in Starfleet. And he is of the generation that would have been part of the war that Discovery right. portrayed. And so it's, you know. it's like, yes, it is bigotry. Yes, it is wrong. But 
let instead of just you know condemning them and saying that they're evil or and, and like you know we ha- we have to we have to look at it and and see Starfleet created this problem. Mm. We <laughs> this comes back to the whole we are a Starfleet thing. It's like yeah we are Starfleet, but that is also Starfleet. And so we need to discuss it. We need to look at both sides, the good and the bad, and say we we have to fix the bad stuff. We can't just like put it away. You know, it's, yeah, it's like the difference yeah. between rehabilitation and imprisonment. Like we just putting him in a box and saying we're never going to talk about him again is not going to solve the problem of other people who are, you know, if you look at, there's a, there's a hundred years between Cartwright and Satie, right? But it's the same issue. We need, we need to address it and yeah. discuss it and, and figure out how to stop it from happening instead of just condemning it and saying we are against this. Like, of course we're against that, but saying we're against it doesn't do anything. Right, and I think it comes to that theme that we keep coming back to about uh, putting in the work to maintain the utopia. It's not just enough for Patrick Stewart to give an angry speech. You know, we need to look at the next steps and how they got here and how we can prevent that happening again and how was a Vulcan as young as Valeris radicalised this way when she has only ever known the low-key Cold War situation of the movies. Yeah, right. Valerius, I could also have an entire episode just on Valerius because I have a lot to say about her. And calling her young is like, yes. <laughs> I think a Valerius and Savic and also Michael episode would be really interesting. Yes. I, I, I'm taking notes. Okay. <laughs> like, I have a lot to say about these things. I So, yeah, again, something happens to... and. I, Again, I admit that it's a convenience. It's not actually Starfleet turning these people bad. Because it's an external. It's a plot. It's plot reasons that it all happens. But if I'm going to accept the narrative, I have to, I have to, like, find the reason for, and it, it's only Starfleet. I I guess when Romulan admirals go bad they defect to the federation or you know when klingon admirals go bad they uh, are there klingon oh, admirals no they, they have generals and when they go bad they form conspiracies with, with bad our, federation with admirals, admirals right. which i think is a really touching touching <laughs> sign of cross-cultural <laughs> I cooperation I love, that's almost one of my favorite parts of star trek 6 is the fact that the people who are against it are working uh, oh, together. Working together. Yeah. It's like, guys, look at yourselves. Isn't there a cut where it turns out that the whole thing was being manipulated by the Romulans? But then, again, Klingons working with Romulans to maintain a state of war with the Federation. It's just so sweet. It, yeah, I mean, and, and this, you know, uh, again, every time anyone mentions Star Trek V, all I care about in that entire movie is the Nimbus 3. <laughs> I know! It's the Katlandar, the, the Romulan, mm. General, I, I forget his name, but the big fat Klingon, and yes. then and the human Sinjin 
Talbot, I think is his name. Yes. Or as I think of him, Sexy David Warner. I love them. I just want to know everything about those three. And I have this whole, you know, after that movie, they join up and like fix all the thing, all the problems in the, all of their empires, leverage style. They're like this, you know. <laughs> they're they're doing their own thing. They're not working for any of the governments. They're working to solve the problems that none of the governments and none of the societies want to mm. solve. It's like, and because that's that's what's interesting to me is solving the problems and looking at the at the issues and saying these organizations are not you know i'm not saying they're bad like the federation is a force for good but it but it's very close it's it's very prone to complacency (laughs) it's definitely yes exactly and that's why you know again that's why we always have our heroes Mm. You know, pushing up against, you know, fighting the man. And the man is Starfleet. And they're like, we're not living up to Starfleet ideals. And it's sort of like, if every single time we're not living up to Starfleet ideals, I think that they're not actually Starfleet ideals. I think they're like yeah. enterprise ideals. <laughs> or, you know, it's like there's a there's a disconnect here between what the reality is and what they want the reality to be. Yeah, and I think I think it's you know we want to have idealists and we want to have people who uh, see the noble uh, ideals of the Federation as something that can be achieved, but at the same time I think to some extent, particularly with Nechayev, who is always the one I come back to, it's not that she's not an idealist and it's not that she doesn't believe in the Federation, but like Cornwell, she is in a position where she has to consider the bigger picture. And like Cornwell, she's advocating for genocide in in the Descent two-parter and saying, you had the ability to destroy the Borg and you chose not to use it. Next time, can you, like, do something about that? Yeah, I I think that that is a big part of it. The idea Mm. that the Admiralty have to look at the big picture like that that ha- they have to look at everyone in the federation. Yeah. And yeah. The you know Captain Picard, Captain Pike, they are looking at this is the problem I'm trying to solve right now. Mm. And and that's not like it's that's never, you know, it, Captain Kirk has like he Captain Kirk, on more than one occasion, goes to a planet and is like, you're doing it wrong. This is the way you should be doing it. Okay, bye. Yeah. You know, he, like, gives yeah. a lecture to them, and then he leaves. And it's like, I don't, like, that is looking at, I am going to solve your problem right now, and then I'm going to bug off and damn the consequences. <laughs> Like, I, you know, who knows what happens on any of those planets <laughs> ever. And well, I think we know, you, you know, he drops uh, Khan and his followers on one planet and it completely messes up and he just never went back to double check. Apparently didn't even tell Starfleet he did that. He was just like, okay, problem solved. Off we go. 20 years later. Oops. Exactly. So... The Admiralty, they are trying to 
think about, okay, what happens tomorrow? What happens, you know, ten, uh, 10 years from now? What is, what is going on with all of the people in this solar system instead of, like, this one family that, that needs our help right now? And, yeah. and, you know, needs of the many versus needs of the few. I don't want to get into that. It's, it's not, like, it's not really a question. There's no, like, balancing lives or, or right and wrong. Like, that's not the point. I'm just saying that the Admiralty is, because, because they are tasked with this, it's like, it's their job. Like, it's Captain McCart's job mm. to be in charge of the Enterprise, right? It's yes. the Admiralty's job to be in charge of all of them and, and, to, and take care of the whole fleet. And so that's a, that's a, a bigger... Also the... Sorry, you finished. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, that they, they just have a wider view and so it's and it's also easier for them because of their wider view to not think of individuals and to not you yes. know to not be thinking about the actual people that they are actually killing by mm. making this decision because which has its benefits and is also quite bad but at the same time i was going to say they're also they're not doing this on their own they're the mouthpiece for the federation council and the civilian leadership which we assume is democratically elected we hope. And <laughs> Again, a lot of... we really want a political series. Someone make that. Do you know, I, I, was, I had it in my head that what CBS All Access should do next is Star Trek Federation with Kat Cornwell and Sarek and Juliana Margulies as Siobhan Tilly oh and God. the push and pull between the Federation Council and Starfleet oh. and the Civilian Diplomatic Corps. I want that, that would have been so great. badly. I know. I know. It's like all of these possibilities that were never actually going to happen, but they, they were alive in my head. And now they can't be. And that's why I'm still upset about losing Kat. Yeah. Because I had these stupid ideas that made me really happy. Right. And uh, yeah, same. And in both in that, in the, I wanted her to be a force in different series. I, I, I thought it would be cool if she was like yeah. the, the connecting tissue between different series that are set in the same time period. I think that would be interesting. And, and also like the emotional, like I do not care if Prime Lorca comes back anymore. Because who can yeah. No one even knows who he is, so who cares? Yeah, his like, last connection to this universe seems to be gone. And so I like I, I don't care about that at all. And I, I like I just again I said this last time I care less about the whole universe because of this one character. Like good job, <laughs> you you made me less invested in literally everything that you were presenting. And it's like, I realise that we, uh, you know, this is a minority opinion. It just so happens that I have self-selected my friends so that we all share that minority opinion and thus feel it is mainstream. But my feelings are real. Yeah, my feelings are real too. And I'm, I'm still like, I'm not saying that like I hate Discovery now. Like I still love Discovery. I still love a lot of the things they are doing with a lot of the characters and especially the women. Like... I was yeah. recently a part of a roundtable for a disco track that was all about how much we love these women characters and how 
it's like a leap forward in Star Trek land um, that we really needed. Jarrah Hodge of Women at Warp just did the maths and Discovery passes the Bechdel test in every single episode. Yeah. That's amazing. Which is, which is wonderful. Like these are, these are like one absolutely wonderful. We are like so off topic, Mm. but um, these are are wonderful milestones um, that should be celebrated, but it doesn't mean that there aren't still problems and killing off cat was one of them. Sorry. (laughs) Not sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is going to come a point where another character comes into my life and fills that space, and it's going to be great. I just, I, I, I'm still using that character. I'm still using Cat. I'm sorry. This is my emotional support supporting character. So let's talk about Admiral Necheyev. <laughs> because I, I feel her. like she is a precursor for Cat. Oh, absolutely. Because, as I said, they both cover the similar sort of please go commit genocide for us ground. And... She's also very reasonable in her interactions with Picard. And, you know, she doesn't have the old friendship with Picard that Kat has with Lorca or the mutual respects that she has with Pike, but they have a very professional relationship. And in fact, I just read on Memory Alpha this morning that the actress was told by a former Marine at a convention that uh, her scenes with Picard are shown in training videos as a guide to how to speak to your subordinate officers. Like, that's how good Necheyev is. That's awesome. I, like, you know... But I think... Yeah. I'm pretty happy with the writing for Necheyev. She is very often the mouthpiece for bad Federation policy, but she overcomes that. She's more interesting than just being middle management. My problem with Necheyev is actually the fan response. Wait, that's what I was going to say. I was going to yeah. like, and, yeah. and I think this... Okay, so you know how there's that... Um, the statistic where, like, if women are speaking half of the time men imagine it as being all of the time (laughs) and yes yes it's i feel like it's the same sort of the impression of nicheyev is not actually written in like it's not it's not actually on the page it's not really there but the idea and you know this is um Someone uh, on, on the Women at Work blog, someone wrote up about Keiko. And there's like this idea that Keiko is like the nagging wife and she's always in the way. And she's like, you know, mm. she's like this, this, you know, she's just keeping Miles from being happy all the time. But if you look at the dialogue, that's not true. <laughs> and I feel like. This does not shock me at all. Yeah, with Nicheyev, it's the same thing. It's like she has this reputation of always being in the way and being mm. against everything and saying, you know, and telling them to do things that they shouldn't have to do because they're against their morals and ideals and etc. But it's like, if you actually look what she, what her orders actually are, it's not this, it's, it's not that. <laughs> like, and, and she's perceived as being this incredibly bitchy character. In fact, I've seen her in the year 2019. I've seen men on Reddit just um, refer to her as, as Bitchayev. But she is extremely soft-spoken. She is ex- an extremely quiet, professional person in all of her interactions with Picard. She just often disagrees with him. And, you know, she's introduced in Chain of Command, ordering uh, Picard to step back from Command of the Enterprise and give, give the ship to Captain Jellicoe. Mm. 
And it's like, how dare this woman come in and not understand that that's not how we do things in next gen. Yeah, and it's interesting because Jellico, who initially was definitely seen as someone who was against them and that people had a real problem with, like, how dare mm. he come in and take over, sort of had a renaissance where, like, everyone's like, well, actually, Captain Jellico was correct. You know, yeah, and and, and, and you know, you know, I I think he was I think he was a perfectly fine captain, and I don't think he was the good captain for the Enterprise, but I think he did well and was a good character, and he was a very interesting character. Yeah, but I have not seen that response for Necheyev. Like no one is saying, well, actually, she was really other than Paul on our Twitter. Yes, <laughs> who, who put put her into the nice good admiral slot? So. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is out there that that people are. I think are it saying, is, but you know, it's not very mainstream. Justice for Nishayev. but I have certainly seen a lot more negativity around mm. her. You know, not the same way as I saw it around City. Like, like she's not, you know, routinely hated. No one is like saying, "Oh, she should, she shouldn't exist, and we never want to see her again." It's just sort of like, "Ugh, Nechayev. Yeah, I remember back when I was in Voyager fandom in the early 2000s, I was talking to uh, a fan that I admired very much and I mentioned how much I loved Necheyev and I was sad that she never got to appear in Voyager. And so this friend turned around and wrote Janeway Necheyev. (laughs) Nice. Oh yeah, in fact, I remember it being really good. I don't remember her ever writing anything bad. Uh, I'll see if I can dig it up somehow because... I would like to know if it's still if I still think it's good. Mm-hmm. But that was the sort of moment I went, wow, there are all these interesting women in Star Trek and they never got their due. Yeah, there's all these interesting women in Star Trek and they don't get to interact enough. No. Uh, apparently there's a cut line in an episode of Deep Space Nine where Loxana Troy says that Necheyev is like, a, like the sister she never had. Oh my God, really? Yes! Like, where's that fic? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. I really want the Nicheyev Troy look. Looks on it like make that. Where I'm going to go looking now. Yes. Well, the source is Memory Alpha, and oh, I've just dug up a link to the script with the cut scene. So I'll send it to you and put it in our show notes. Excellent. I, I've, you know, again, going back to what what Jared did, it, we need more women speaking to women, and and. Uh, and doing stuff. I would love Janeway and Shayev to interact. I would let, you know, like Janeway's interesting because there's this whole like sort of meme about how ha 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 Janeway got to be Admiral before Picard. Mm. Where uh, there's no, I have seen zero evidence that Picard wants to be Admiral. <laughs> Um, In fact, he has turned that promotion down so at least once. I'm pretty sure, like, he doesn't care, and I and it it's sort of like, you know, it's there's a there's a some subset of fans who are like, yes, Janeway is clearly the best captain because she got to be admiral and like Kirk, but you know whatever. Which I'm not against. Like, I I love Janeway. She's definitely my favorite captain. But um, it's like this this weird feminism rally cry kind of thing going on and then there are the people who are like this is you know evidence that that women have taken over star trek (laughs) 
Oh, no. Damn, those women. Um, and, uh, and it's like Nemesis is a horrible about women. It has poor Troy getting mind raped again. On her again. on her wedding night, like it's there's, and it's not uh, even the first time. It's not even the first time her mind rapist uses Riker's yeah, image. It's horrible. Like, it's like, like who thought we should do that again? And and the fact that you know she get like yes, Troy and Marina get that like I don't know. We even remember what they say, but like remember me, and she like gets to get into mm. his mind, and it's like. Yeah, that's like a revenge fantasy for someone, but it's not a revenge fantasy for me. <laughs> I well, like that I didn't like, need to see that. In <laughs> violations, she also gets to take down her attacker and hold him off physically until Worf arrives. Like nothing new would happen there at all, except that Picard denied her time off to deal with it. Yeah. So God, that was a bad movie. Yeah, it's a horrible movie. And so like like holding up Admiral Janeway as like yay feminism is just like how do you actually watch that film so so no but it's it's really it's interesting to me that some people are just like they dismiss the idea that Janeway could be better suited to the Admiralty than than Picard they dismiss the idea that Picard has no desire to do that like Mm. it's just this it's really it's it's strange. It's strange to me. I mean, my personal headcanon has always been that Starfleet, you know, Voyager comes back and they're like, they look at the logs and they look at everything <laughs> they've done and they're like, oh my God, we have to do something to like contain her. <laughs> like, you know, we cannot give her another command. And, but we also like can't court monitor her because that would be a headache too. So they're just like, okay, let's, let's promote her. <laughs> So that she can't leave Earth anymore. I figured, and you know, much more nicely. I figured that it was that having commanded Voyager and being isolated for so long, a she couldn't go back to commanding a starship in in a chain of command again. But also, she sort of develops that bigger picture thinking that an admiral needs, and that's what makes her good at the job. And I, I, yeah, I agree that she would be good at the jobs. That as much as I think that Janeway and Kirk share a lot. Mm. I think that Janeway is capable of becoming, of, yeah, of, of growing into the Admiralty. And I think that Kirk and Picard don't. <laughs> like, they're, they're, yeah. they, they don't want to. And, and they're not going to. I mean, just the fact that insurrection exists is proof that Picard is never <laughs> going to be an Admiral. Like, just let it go. That's not his destiny. Uh, yeah. And that's a good thing. You know? Yeah, and I still see people saying, oh, I hope he's an admiral in the Picard series. And it's like, that would be terrible. I want him to be, like, living out his Indiana Jones archaeology fantasies. I was just going to say that. I'm like, I want him to be an archaeologist. (laughs) Right. This is a man whose other ambition involves digging up old things and having adventures. And he literally faked his death to investigate archaeology fraud. So, so don't promote him. Mm. To, uh, okay, and, and I will reiterate, I feel like I've said this again, but I'm just going to say it because mm. I love Jonathan Archer. 
like a lot. I have a ridiculous <laughs> affection for Jonathan Archer, but I one hundred strange. I one hundred percent believe that everything that is wrong with Starfleet is because of Jonathan Archer. <laughs> like they they show his future and how he became he was he was an admiral and he was like president of the Federation and he was an ambassador, like he he had he is not suited huge, to any of these. He had jobs. a huge future, and he was he did everything, and he was amazing, and that explains everything that is wrong in Starfleet, like everything. Oh yeah, like he shouldn't have even been a ship's captain. Exactly, he should he, he should be a test pilot. He's terrible at everything, including being a person. But I love him, and like I love him because he, I love that you he love desperately him. tries. All the time, he is like that. Is his main purpose in life is to do his best, and he's awful at it. <laughs> but he never stops trying, and and I just I love that spirit. But I one hundred percent one hundred percent believe that everything that's wrong in Starfleet is because of Jonathan Archer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, I completely buy this theory. Uh, is this a time where I can talk about why I think Kirk is not a good admiral? Yes, please do. So we've been saying that the Admiralty, a good admiral needs to be able to view the bigger picture and they sort of need to take a somewhat impersonal view of individual starships. And Kirk can't do that. He cannot let go of the Enterprise. Like, he, as long as Kirk is alive in the 23rd century, there is no other legitimate captain of the Enterprise. He takes the ship from Decker in the motion picture. He practically takes the ship from Harriman in Generations. He just, he cannot let go. And we see this when he literally steals the Enterprise to go and save Spock in Star Trek III, for which he is rightfully demoted. But I think this is exactly why he shouldn't have been promoted in the first right. place. And in the second movie, like Spock's like, here, take the Enterprise. Because <laughs> yeah, Spock's yeah. his bestie and he knows. <laughs> so he's like, okay. You know, yeah. we're, we're not using it for anything important. So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, and I think, you know, Spock is like Saru seems to be now and very comfortable in his authority and quite capable of maybe giving it up. I'm speculating about who is going to be Captain mm. of Discovery in season three. But uh, yeah, because Kirk cannot let go and he cannot care about any ship other than his own. Like, he sends Scotty to sabotage the Excelsior. Speaking of experimental, you know, <laughs> propulsion systems that never get mentioned again. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. I want to play a game called Okay. Would this captain be a good admiral? <laughs> okay. So, we've discussed that that Kirk would not be. My opinion yes. is that Picard would not be. I think Picard would be an adequate admiral, but he would also be deeply unhappy. Yeah. Which is which is why which is again part of my theory as to why all admirals go bad is because they're not happy they're not satisfied in their lives mm, anymore which no is job certainly what it was wrong with kirk yes so let's see but cisco cisco is good at leading cisco should be Fed federation president like yeah that's... If, if not for the whole profit thing you know he does he's not a guy that go boldly goes he 
after Wolf 359, he's building starships on at Utopia Planitia. He's commanding Deep Space Nine. He basically has control of a whole sector. He would be a great admiral, but he would also be a great ambassador to Bajor, except that he would be Team Bajor in all things. He would be a great Bajoran ambassador to the Federation. He's probably a great prophet. So here we had an amusing little interlude where I think Skype just stopped Skyping? Anyway. Hello. Hi, I don't, I'm sorry. I have no idea what happened. That's okay. Uh, I just kept on recording, so okay. if you did, I, I we did as pick well. up where we left so, off. I'm Good. sorry. <laughs> I was just saying that Cisco is good at his job <laughs> because he gets people as varied as like actual Starfleet officers and then Kira and then like yes. Cork who has like zero interest in in being a part of any kind of authority grouping but you know joins in like becomes one yeah. of his peoples and so that's why I, I keep saying Federation president because like not even Admiralty is good enough for, for Cisco. Cisco should just be in charge of I everything. I was just going to say, I think, like, Admiralty would be a waste of Cisco's talent. Exactly. He would be brilliant at it, but he could do better. He could do better. Cisco should be in charge of the universe. Yes. Well, maybe that's what he's doing as a prophet. <laughs> Teaching them about linear time and baseball and uh, maybe taking over the universe. Cool. <laughs> but in a nice way. Maybe, maybe Cisco's alive a thousand years from now. You know, that meme that's like so-and-so. Oh, my God. Like, you know, I, I, I would actually really love for Michael and Cisco to meet. Oh, okay. More things that we'll never see, but, but would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so Janeway, I think, will succeed. Mostly because yes. Janeway, like, refuses to not succeed. Like, that's her, that's her thing. <laughs> If Janeway doesn't succeed, I think we have strong evidence that she'll just go back and rewrite history <laughs> exactly, until she does. Exactly. Which means that maybe she's actually secretly a badmiral. But uh, as long as... I have as... seen the argument that uh, Voyager's Endgame, as distinct from Avengers Endgame, uh, is proof that Janeway is crazy and would make a terrible admiral. And to that I say... Miss me with your sexist dismissal of every female character is crazy. Yeah, there you go. Good, good, mm. good response. Thank you, Archer. We've discussed terrible, terrible, terrible at everything, and that's why I love him. So uh, then we have, let's see, who are our captains in Discovery? Let's not put Lorca in charge of anything. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Let's no, also think... not put Giorgio in charge of anything. Like, she would be good at no. it, but no. I'm sure that Prime Giorgio would have made a wonderful admiral for the same reasons that Picard did, and the only question is whether she would want that, and I think not. Yeah, she also should become an archaeologist. Yes. Oh, she would. Likewise, Prime Lorca is the same age as Cornwell and has presumably could have taken that career path if he wanted to pursue it and obviously chose not to. Maybe it's a shame he didn't. He might have lived. And uh, then we have Pike. Who is going to be a great and heroic great. fleet captain. Right. And, and die. Yeah. <laughs> and die. Well, not die, but, you know, spent his life on the Talos 4 internet. Uh, let's see. Who else is the captain? Sulu. 
Sulu doing I it. I think he very much enjoys his late in life captaincy, but I think he'd be a perfectly good admiral. Yeah. Uh, he should be in charge of like Starfleet Academy or something. Yeah, you know, he has a really good teacher I, vibe. I can, uh, I can, you know, old professor. <laughs> I, I can dig it. Uh, Spock. Yes. <laughs> we know that he pursues diplomacy right. instead and his very own unique brand of diplomacy. Oh, but I think he would have made a good admiral. Yeah, I mean, spot like I like that when he when we see him as captain, it's not captain of a ship; it's captain of like a classroom. Like I think that's yeah. that's so Spock, and I just I really like it. I like you know he should he should be admiral of the classroom too. Uh, I think that's a thing. Yes. Like admiral of of the academy. Is a thing, and uh, uh, but I it also is. the you know, academy commandant I, is I, Admiral Brand. I also like that that uh, he goes into diplomacy. He's such a he's like he's followed so after against, both of his yeah, parents. Exactly, he's so against following his father's footsteps, but he does anyway. Well, he was an educator like his mother, and then he died and came back to life and made peace with his father's legacy and his place in it, and then became a diplomat. It's, it's also so House of Sarek to require dying and coming back to life to make that decision. I think Michael would approve. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, and so we're going to have either a Saru or a Michael... I think Saru would be good mm. at Admiralty. I think he would too. I think he would be a very, um, very sympathetic to the captains he has to give terrible orders to, but also quite unyielding mm. in the face of their protests. And we know he would do his research. He would pull up yes. who the best admirals are and he would try to be like them. You know, at one point, because we don't know how long Kelpians live, uh, at one point before the end of season two changed everything i had this headcanon that he is in fact an admiral in the 24th century and you know hangs out with paris and nechaev and all that and that's sweet i like that maybe maybe they'll get back and it can, can still happen and i think michael is another doesn't actually want that job kind of person no i don't I don't think she would be good Not at it. Interested. I think she's too much of an unvarnished idealist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. She's a I she's think, a, a Kirk kind. Where yeah, she just I think sees she's the problem at hand mm. and wants to fix it. And uh, and damn the consequences. <laughs> well, I think certainly Cornwell come has come to un- appreciate her role as a person who keeps the Admiralty honest. And I think that's a good role for Michael. Right. And I think that's, at the end of the day, that's the point, is that people, especially if we are going to, if we assume that Star Trek and Starfleet are this utopian future where everybody does what they're supposed to do, and you know, mm. regardless of wealth, you know, absent of, of legacy, like you're just, you get, you get to be who you should be always you know there's like a whole there that tapestry is about Picard's destiny right yeah yeah and there are issues with that you know 
the way it's presented in that episode, but I think that the the philosophy is solid that in the future you get to to be the best you you can be without yes. all this stuff that we have to deal with in our real what century are we in? 21st? 21st century. Um, I hate to break this to you, we're in the 21st century. Okay. It's bad. So, in our 21st century world, we, you know, I can't be Jillian Taylor because I couldn't, no one encouraged me to go into science, and now I'm too old and too poor to pursue it, you know? Yes. But... But this is a universe where you can change careers and there's no financial barrier to education. Exactly. It's just a matter of time and motivation and I assume there's some kind of childcare program so happening in the Federation. In that, in that future, people should just get to, to stay where they want to be. You know, like people should get to pursue whatever life they're hoping for Picard should yeah. get to be like I'm going to retire as captain and become an archaeologist and and yeah. have that be and, okay and Riker Riker gets to turn down a whole lot of promotions because he realizes that he's happy yeah. where he and, is and that's good he's like he's doing good stuff on the Enterprise he is like yeah the thing is about TNG particularly is that I feel like Picard and Riker are a good team. Yeah, I mean, like that's true of all of the captains and first officers, but it's really true on TNG. Like, I it would be difficult for me to see no Riker. You know, it's like Picard needs a Riker. <laughs> yeah, as much as it would be really fascinating to see how the series would have played out if Picard had died in Best of Both Worlds and Riker became the captain and Shelby the first officer. And I would be totally up for that AU. I love Shelby. But this family was a really wonderful group of people to follow. Right. So I don't think anyone should feel badly about not being an admiral. And I, don't, and I think the point is that the admirals are, are playing a role. They're playing, they have a purpose. And we should respect it a little bit more. Like, the audience yeah. and the canon. <laughs> like, like, maybe we should have more cats and fewer, <laughs> like, Marcus. from Like, he's the worst, okay? In Into Darkness. You know, I am not ashamed to say I've only seen Into Darkness once and cannot remember much of it but I'm absolutely happy to take your word for it. He is, you know, a mustache-twirling villain. You know? Ah. Like, there's no... Even by Starfleet Admiralty He, he tortures his own daughter. <laughs> like, it is just... There's nothing good about that character. And so, in, in you look at that, just that universe, and there's, like, there's Pike and there's Marcus, and they're both admirals, and it's like... Wow. <laughs> and halfway through the movie, Pike dies and Marcus takes over everything. Oh, and it's like, yeah, that's definitely darkness. You you achieved yeah. you achieved the darkness in the title. Good job. And you know, thank goodness that you know he's defeated, but 
it's just if that like I feel like he is the the full extreme, you know. Yeah. Where and that's and so that's saying you know I'm including Kat and Nechev and Cartwright who are all like pro genocide at one point, <laughs> <laughs> and yet Marcus is still the worst. So, um, like, it's just because they weren't really pro like none of these people were actually pro genocide they were they were making the decision that they thought they needed to make in that moment yeah and even cartwright you know obviously he's made a terrible choice but it's a very understandable choice exactly it's like there there are reasons for these decisions mm. they are the wrong decisions in each case but there are reasons for these decisions before we wrap up, I just thought of a character who would make a really, really good admiral. Who's that? Janice Rand. Oh! She comes up, she starts out as a yeoman, she goes through terrible times on the Enterprise, and then she becomes an officer. She is the first officer of the Excelsior under Sulu. I just think, you know, she's seen Starfleet at every level. She has all this experience. She is so decent when she's dealing with tiny, arrogant little Tuvok. I think she's got it in her to make a good admiral. I, that is like the perfect thing to end on. I, I love the idea of Admiral Rand. I think Janice Rand for Starfleet HR. Yes. If you're having a sexual harassment problem on your oh starship, she is going to listen oh to you. Oh my goodness. I like want this hate you badly. It's not an AU. It doesn't have to be That's an right. AU. It's my head It's cannon. totally true. It's, yes. it's what happened. You just didn't see it. Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can follow us on Twitter at, at antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures. While I was recording, I shared a sketch I drew of Admiral Nechev looking... Well, kind of blurry, actually. If you like us, leave an iTunes review. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us in two, two weeks for a discussion of motherhood in Star Trek. We have a guest for that, right? Yes. Awesome! I have so many opinions about Beverly, you are not going to believe it. <laughs> it's going to be a great discussion. Everyone should definitely chime in. They'll be shouting. <laughs>